Welcome to A Star Witness. Hello everyone, this is Kayla bringing another episode and today's discussion is going to be something very interesting, especially with what just happened this week and past. I thought it was important to talk about it. It's talking about whether or not we should keep the feast days. But before we start, let's say a word of prayer so that the Lord will be with us during this podcast. With that, bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Heavenly Lord, thank you for another beautiful day of life and health. Thank you so much for waking each and every one of us up this morning and for being with us during this day. Help us to continue to overcome through your strength. Help us to come to you in prayer to overcome temptation of the devil because we know that he's a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Please be with this study. Help us to learn and to grow and to study your word more carefully and study for ourselves so that we may know the truth and can stand up for it. And we thank you for all your many blessings and we ask that you be with us this day as we study and learn from your holy word. We ask all these things in your precious holy son's name. Amen. All right. I'm sure most of you or some of you have heard of the controversy about whether or not to keep the feast days. And for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, I'll get to that first. This subject ties into the sanctuary message like we talked about last week on the Ark of the Covenant. And I'll tell you how in a little while. First of all, what are the feast days? The feast days were given to Moses along with the sanctuary message. They were holidays of a sort. They wouldn't do any work, and some of the feast days came with specific instructions, such as the Passover. That was the first feast day that was given to the Israelites. The Lord had just visited the Egyptians with nine plagues, which you can read about those plagues in Exodus. This was the final plague. The angel of death was coming, and this plague came with a very specific instructions. The Israelites had to kill a white spotless lamb and use the blood dipped in hyssop to put over their doors. It was a symbol that they were the Lord's and would follow the Lord's instructions. It also had another symbol, which I'll get to. They then had to fix the lamb up and eat it with flatbread that was made with no yeast along with bitter herbs. They also had to be dressed in their traveling clothes ready to go on a moment's notice. If there were any leftovers, they were to throw them in the fire. And you can read about the Passover in Exodus 12. After the visit from the angel of death, the children of Israel were able to go away from Egypt. They were to keep the Passover every year as not only a symbol and remembrance of what the Lord had done, but of what was to come. Passover was also a sign of what the Lord was going to do for all of mankind. The lamb was a representation of Jesus, the lamb of God. The hyssop is symbolic for cleansing. Psalms 51.7 says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The blood was the cleansing blood of Jesus, the blood that he shed on the cross. There is much more to the symbols than meet the eye. It was all a symbol of what Jesus did for us on that cross. Once Jesus died, keeping the Passover was no longer necessary. It was done away with because the whole point of the Passover was to help the people to keep looking forward to when Jesus would fulfill his promise and shed his blood on the cross. That's why the lamb ran away during Jesus' crucifixion and the veil was torn from the most holy place. It was telling the people that the Lord no longer was residing in the tabernacle and that the sacrifice was no longer needed. Type had met anti-type. If we still keep Passover today, it means that what Jesus did on the cross meant nothing. That is why Jesus gave us communion. It took the place of Passover and is a symbol of what is to come. It represents what Christ did on the cross for us and also the feast that we will celebrate in heaven when there will be no more death and sin is done away with once and for all. 
This goes for all the other feast days, type meets antitype, when Christ died and rose again. The Jews had always prided themselves upon their divinely appointed services, and many of those who had been converted to the faith of Christ still felt that since God had once clearly outlined the Hebrew manner of worship, it was improbable that he would ever authorize a change in any of its specifications. They insisted that the Jewish laws and ceremonies should be incorporated into the rites of the Christian religion. They were slow to discern that all the sacrificial offerings had but prefigured the death of the Son of God, in which type met antitype, and after which the rites and ceremonies of the Mosaic dispensation were no longer binding. That's from AA 189.3. Before his conversion, Paul had regarded himself as blameless, touching the righteousness which is in the law, Philippians 3.6, but since his change of heart, he had gained a clear conception of the mission of the Savior as the Redeemer of the entire race, Gentile as well as Jew, and had learned the difference between a living faith and a dead formalism. In the light of the gospel, the ancient rites and ceremonies committed to Israel had gained a new and deeper significance. That which they shadowed forth had come to pass, and those who were living under the gospel dispensation had been freed from their observation. God's unchangeable law of Ten Commandments, however, Paul still kept in spirit as well as in letter. That's from AA 190.1. Colossians 2.14 says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. In verse 14, Paul says the ordinances were nailed to the cross. And in verse 16, Paul explains a little more what these ordinances are and gives us examples. Colossians 2.16, Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink offerings, or in respect of an holy day, or the new moon, or the Sabbath days. Holy day meaning feast days. The new moon is talking about the months because every month you get a new moon. It goes through a full cycle. The Sabbath days were talking about yearly celebrations such as Passover and Day of Atonement, etc. And Paul was telling the people not to do those feast days anymore and to not worry about what other people may or may not think of them. Which is why he said, let no man judge you because those things were done away with and nailed to the cross. Christ is the substance or body which casts its shadow back into former dispensations. When Christ died, the shadow ceased. At the death of Christ, the typical system was done away. But the law of God, whose violation had made the plan of salvation necessary, was magnified and made honorable. E.G. White, Bible Echo, July 15, 1893. But there is a law which was abolished, which Christ took out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Paul calls it the law of commandments contained in ordinances. This ceremonial law given by God through Moses with its sacrifices and ordinances was to be binding upon the Hebrews until type met anti-type in the death of Christ as the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Then all the sacrificial offerings and services were to be abolished. Paul and the other apostles labored to show this and resolutely withstood those Judaizing teachers who declared that Christians should observe the ceremonial law. Signs of the Times, September 4th, 1884. The Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup, 
when he had supped, saying, This cup is the new testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 That's from Desire of Ages 652.1 Christ was standing at the point of transition between two economies and their two great festivals. He, the spotless Lamb of God, was about to present himself as a sin offering, that he would thus bring to an end the system of types and ceremonies that for 4,000 years had pointed to his death. As he ate the Passover with his disciples, he instituted in its place the service that was to be the memorial of his great sacrifice. The national festival of the Jews was to pass away forever. The service which Christ established was to be observed by his followers in all lands and through all ages. Desire of Ages 652.2 The Passover was ordained as a commemoration of the deliverance of Israel from Egyptian bondage. God had directed that, year by year, as the children should ask the meaning of this ordinance, the history should be repeated. Thus, the wonderful deliverance was to be kept fresh in the minds of all. The ordinance of the Lord's Supper was given to commemorate the great deliverance wrought out as the result of the death of Christ. Till he shall come the second time in power and glory, this ordinance is to be celebrated. It is the means by which his great work for us is to be kept fresh in our minds. Desire of Ages 652.3 Galatians 4, 9-11 says, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? Ye observe days and months and times and years. I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. This is why the understanding of the sanctuary is very important. It explains how type meets anti-type, and how Christ fulfilled all that he said he would. Even with all the evidence out there, and even with all the explanation of why the feast days are null and void, you will still find people who won't want to listen. But just remember, you did your part, and that we have to keep them in prayer. The devil will use any means necessary to keep us in his clutches. The Bible warns us not to be deceived. 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. It is deep, and many people are confused about this truth, because they truly don't know about the sanctuary message. And they are like the Jews of old who are trying to cling to the old ways of doing things. They still keep the feast days to this day because they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. What does that say to those of us who know and have the truth and still want to keep the feast days? Especially when there's so much in the Bible, spirit of prophecy, and the pioneer writings telling us that these feast days were done away with. They were fulfilled through Christ dying on the cross. So in keeping them, it would mean that we don't accept what he did on the cross. It would be saying that what he did wasn't enough. When the truth is far more simple, we don't have to do those things because the promise was kept. That is why Jesus had Adam and Eve make the very first sacrifice to point them to the time when he would come and make the ultimate sacrifice, and that any who would come to him would be saved. It was to help them realize what sinning would cost them and the consequences of their actions. In reality, if these people who want to keep the feast days and don't do the sacrifice, they aren't really keeping the feast because the sacrifice was, I would say, the biggest part of most of those feasts. So how can you truly keep those feast days without doing the sacrifice? 
Even without the sacrifices, it is still not something we should be doing. If you remember the story about King Saul, where the prophet Samuel got a message from the Lord, the Lord told Samuel to tell Saul to kill all of the Amalekites, all the young, old, and all the livestock as well. Saul did not obey. He kept the animals alive. And when Samuel came to see if Saul did what the Lord said and found that the animals were alive, Saul made the excuse that he was going to sacrifice the animals to the Lord. And you can read the full story in 1 Samuel 15. This is what Samuel told Saul in 1 Samuel 15, 22. And Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams. This verse applies to this as well. Jesus made it very clear that those sacrifices are not necessary, because he fulfilled the promise that those ceremonies represented, which is why Jesus said, It is finished on the cross. Obedience to God is better than sacrifice, and that especially goes for those things that were done away with at the cross. I think that's an interesting point. When he said it's finished, he was talking about from Adam and Eve's first sacrifice, the plan of salvation that had begun and was even a part of the Lord's plan before Adam and Eve chose to sin. There was a plan put in place for the salvation of the souls. And he would have come down for even one soul. If there was only one person who needed his saving, he would have come down and gone through all of what he went through just for one of us. And that's really powerful. So by him saying it is finished on the cross, he was saying that that type had met anti-type and that part of his work was now finished and done away with. And he was going to move on after his resurrection to the holy place in heaven and our intercession for our behalf in heaven, blotting out our sins, his life becoming our life. And by us keeping those feast days instead of accepting what Christ did on the cross is not doing any good. It's not something that you should be doing. We should be doing. Yes, the feasts were very beautiful. They were a celebration. They were a sign of what was to come. But yet, even with all of the feast days that were kept, that the Jews kept, when Jesus finally came down and was on the earth like a lamb brought to the slaughter, many people rejected him because he didn't come as a king as what he's going to come like as the second time. He didn't come with grandeur to overthrow the Roman government. He came as a humble carpenter, preaching and teaching the word. And the Jews rejected him, even after they were told in Isaiah of what was going to happen, that he was going to be comely, that he was going to be brought to the Lamb as a slaughter. So Isaiah tried to tell the people back then what was going to happen to Jesus when he came to earth, but they didn't want to accept that. They thought that there was going to come down with grandeur and overthrow the Roman government so that they could lead and it would be on this earth and that wasn't what was going to happen at all. And that's why today the Jewish nation still rejects Jesus as the Messiah, even though we know differently from the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. It's amazing when you go down in depth and study this out for yourself, what it is and the message all melts together and you can see from the very beginning and he actually put it in the stars as well the story of redemption 
and that's why it's so lovely the story of redemption it's going to be a song sung only by us of how we were saved and how our sins were taken away from us how is blotted out and that only his life could be seen angels won't be able to join us in that song because they've never had to experience what we went through with salvation and overcoming our sins by prayer and going to the lord he would send every angel out of heaven to keep us out of temptation and when you understand the sanctuary message and understand why those feast days were instigated to bring the mind toward christ and him crucified you understand how beautiful it is and how unnecessary it is to keep it in this day and age. And that's why he gave us communion, like I said before, so that we would have something to remember and to do and to look forward to in heaven, the great feast that's going to happen, where the table is miles and miles long with fruits and nuts and manna on it and we're going to sit and talk with each other and with Jesus, and it's going to be amazing. I mean, I can't even imagine what it would be like to see that or to be able to experience that and do that. But we will. We'll get to do that. It's just amazing to ponder that that is something we get to look forward to, that meal together and, and with the people of the past who have long since been dead and were resurrected when Jesus came down onto earth. And this is why it's important to understand the sanctuary message, to read and to study and to understand what it meant. All of those services and all of those feasts, they were all pointing to something. They were all type meeting anti-type. And that was fulfilled through Christ. And it's amazing. Everything down to the minutest detail was fulfilled when he died on the cross. And only God could do something like that. Only God could orchestrate history to work like that and to have everything be the way that it happened in order to fulfill these events that took place. And that is amazing to ponder and to think about. Obedience is important. That's why we have to put away the things of, in our life that are keeping us from obeying, from keeping us having God as the center of our life. It's important to be able to tell people why we don't keep the feast days or why it is we don't celebrate holidays or why it is the dead are in the grave and awaiting the judgment, why we keep this Saturday a Sabbath and so on and so forth. These are the reasons why. The Lord was kind enough to bless us with the knowledge in his word to be able to explain and it's amazing when you delve down in and you study it out, how the sanctuary message is so important and how it all points forward to his life, ministry, death, and resurrection, and the ministry in heaven that he later took on after he went back in, up into heaven, after he spent those 40 days with his disciples. And then those disciples went forth and they continued to share the story. And then that's when the crucifixion of the saints started and a lot of martyrs happened because they were preaching of Christ's resurrection. And that persecution is coming back very soon upon us. And we have to be able to stand up for what we believe in. Because there's going to come a time when somebody comes to us and wants us to tell the truth. And to tell what the Bible says about the truth. And we need to have an answer ready. And to prove it from the word of the Lord. And it's very important 
to know these things. And I am grateful to be given the truth. We are so blessed to have the truth because during the dark ages, that light was hidden for a long time. People didn't have the Bible in their own languages. People didn't have the opportunity to read the word. They would be thrown into prison and killed if they were caught with the Bible in their hands. And many people were. So we have to be very grateful that we're given the word of the Lord. And we need to use that opportunity to study it and hide it in our hearts. Because one day soon, it's going to happen again where they're going to take away the word of the Lord. And that's already happening with the different versions of the Bible where they misrepresent what is really the truth and that is why we need to study, be watchful, and to know for ourselves so that we can know the difference between right and wrong and truth and error because Satan loves mixing truth with error and that is the most potent error is when there's truth mixed in with it and we're told that. So this is very important to know these truths and to be able to explain it. We're the only ones who can explain the sanctuary message. No other faith knows this message or can explain it right. No other faith understands what Jesus did, how the sanctuary points to the work of Christ and the life of Christ and what he's doing in heaven. So it's our duty and obligation to share with others about it and to share with anyone we know the truth of anything we know. It's not only our duty, but our privilege to share. So with that being said, the greatest sacrifice we can do now is to give our whole heart and life to Christ, to allow him to lead and guide us, no matter where they may lead, no matter what people might say, to follow in good times or in bad times, even if it means friends and family laugh and mock at you. Remember, Noah and his family with the ark, there was room for a lot of people, but in the end, only eight heeded the warnings. And there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth in the last days. Let's make sure we aren't among those who are doing the weeping and gnashing. Let us be in the number that is with Christ in the new earth. Please study this out for yourself. There are so many more Bible verses and quotes about it. Make sure you study to know yourself the truth of the matter. Ask for the Lord to lead and guide you as you study and search. And please pray for me as I pray for all of you. And with that, I think this sums it up very nicely. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I receive my sight and now i am happy all the day thy body slain sweet jesus thine and bathed in its own blood while the firm mark of wrath divine his soul in anguish stood at the cross at the cross where i first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away it was there by faith i received my sight and now i am happy all the day was it for crimes that I had done? He groaned upon the tree. Amazing.
amazing pity, grace unknown, and love beyond degree. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Well might the sun in darkness hide and shut his glories in. When Christ the mighty maker died for man the creature's sin. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. Thus might I hide my blushing face while his dear cross appears. Dissolve my heart in thankfulness and melt my eyes to tears. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I am happy all the day. But drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away, tis all that I can do. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Remember, it says in Matthew 5:16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And with all of that being said, let your light so shine that you are a star witness for the Lord.